shot a text to Monty Spurgeon, who's our <coughs> pastor of student ministries this morning. Um, they are doing the Forge, which is a you know retreat for the young men. Uh, 105 students at Okoe, um, and then 25 leaders, and I'm just so grateful. Many of you lead, and 25 leaders down there. Last week, it was um, Camp No Boys Allowed, so the young ladies and leaders, same, you know, huge number of leaders down out with those women. But I just checked in with him to see, <clears throat> you know, I know they're wrapping up today. They, at 10 o'clock, they gathered once again, but, you know, they've been rafting, they've been paintball, studying God's word, that that the theme has been helping these young men see God as their safe harbor. And this morning they gather to share and they will, they will be focusing upon helping these young men see that we live to invite others into that boat of Jesus. That's why we're here, bring others into that safe harbor of life in Christ. So uh, grateful for that and, and for Camp No Boys Allowed the week before. And I, I just, I want to pray for them because they're meeting right now and I want to pray for them, and I'm going to invite you to join me if you'd bow your head. Father, thank you for, <coughs> excuse me, Monty and his team, um, so many volunteers who've uh, give, truly given up their weekend to invest in these young men, strengthen and encourage them. And as they're gathering right now, sharing, speaking, we pray that those young men would make decisions that would mark their lives forever. Pray for safe travel home, for encouragement. <clears throat> we pray the fruit of this time and the fruit of the time for the young women last week <clears throat> at camp, no boys allowed, would, would be fruit that remains and brings you great glory. In Christ's name, <clears throat> amen. Excuse me, I do have water down here, so no one needs to bring me any, but I got a cough drop. I still have that little tickle cough going on, so bear with me uh, as we move through the morning. You know, in study after study, uh, survey after survey, one thing has remained consistent over the years in these surveys. The number one predictor of spiritual growth is reading the Bible. It's the number one predictor. Another way to frame this is when you sort through everything you can do, and there's more to the Christian life than reading the Bible. I don't know if there's anything less. I mean, that's the foundation. But you take everything else, like do this, do that, be a part of, to grow spiritually. <clears throat> there's reading the Bible, there's a huge gap, and then there's the other things. It, it simply stands out as the leading indicator. What I find uh, interesting in all the research and literature is, is that it doesn't, it doesn't point out it doesn't point to study the Bible. Now that's important, okay? And, 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 and we ought to be about that. But the indicator is reading the Bible. Um, it, it's just inarguable. And so we're just starting there. Reading the Bible is the most important thing you can do to grow in your relationship with God. Now, <clears throat> here's another thing that's quite frankly inarguable. <clears throat> American Bible Society president and CEO Bob Briggs summarizes this other point. Despite nearly every individual in the U.S. having access to the Bible, engagement has decreased. That's been a consistent trend over the past few years, and the trend has accelerated since January, <coughs> excuse me, January of 2020. 
Now, what he's saying is this, that you know, he's been taking these surveys for decades, but the, the trend has been people reading their Bible less and less. And when the pandemic shut everything down, okay, in January, 2020, it nosedived. Now, now think about that. Now, I know it's not true for everyone, but boy, when we went into shutdown mode per se, <clears throat> for many, again, not everyone, but for many, um, you actually had some margin in your life. And so, not all, but you know, you had this little space because everything shut down. And Bible reading took a, no, took a nosedive. How about that? <clears throat> I find that just kind of fascinating <laughs> that, that that would lead to less Bible reading. <clears throat> Back to the research, 2017 Lifeway Research did an extensive study of American Christians and their Bible reading. And, and, and one of the couple of questions you know, were asked, you know, um, why don't you read your Bible more often? And they had like six responses, but the top two, it's again, it's top two <clears throat> and then a gap and then these four smaller ones. The top response was, I don't prior prioritize it. And the second resp top response was, I don't have time. So now you're gonna get, that's 25% of 15. You're gonna get 42% of us who say the reason we don't read the Bible, I'll, I'll rephrase it, is because quite frankly, it's not as important as other things to me and I don't make time to do it. Now, obviously, if they surveyed us at Fellowship Bible Church, it'd be way different, I'm sure. Uh, not, you know, no, it wouldn't be, would it? Isn't it strange, think about this, that the very thing that we, as Christians, Christ followers, the very thing that we are convinced, we're convinced that the very thing we most need in life <clears throat> is God's direction, encouragement, hope, perspective, wisdom for life. I mean, we, we, this is what we need. So the very thing that we most need in life is the very thing that we most often neglect in life. How about that? I spoke to a group of men on Friday night over here. Some of you were there for our man to man. And you know, one of the things I, I, I started off with them was, I, I just, and I said it, and I've said this to you guys over the last 24, 25 years, I've tried to say, I, and Rob would say the same thing. I'm just a guy. Now I'm, I'm, I'm one of your pastors, I'm one of your teachers, but please know I'm just a human being. I'm, I'm a guy, I'm, I'm like every man in the room. I, I struggle with the same things every man in the room struggles with. Um, being a te teaching pastor, you know, that, that doesn't put me on some spiritual plane above everybody. That doesn't mean I've got some secret path to spirituality. I've got, you know, the shield about me or the special, it's just none of that, y'all. It's, it, I'm no different than you. That you, you know what the number one spiritual, you know what the number one thing I can do to grow in my relationship with God is? Read my Bible. I'm, I'm just, I'm the same. And I have the same struggles as, as many of us do in, in reading the Bible. I'm no different. <clears throat> one thing I <coughs> have done, and um, I don't know when I heard that, I, I, you know, I heard it probably some 40 years ago, because for for 40 years, the, the one thing I, I can say I've done somewhat regular, regularly is um, to, to, to kind of address this about, you know, just read your Bible, is I have read a proverb a day. I, and, and again, you know, not every day, and there have been seasons when I've not, 
But holistically, I'd, I'd go back over the last four years. I've, I've, I've read a proverb a day. Now, some of you do this. I don't, you know, I was, a, my, I was 19 or 20 when someone had mentioned this to me and I kind of took hold of it. Um, there are 31 proverbs. You know, we're in a study of proverbs right now over the next few weeks. 30 or 31 days in a month. And I remember some, the, the, the idea being, you know, that you, you know, just whatever day it is, read that proverb. That's all I'm talking about here. And, you know, what's quite frankly, you know, helpful about this is you, you can forget or you can neglect, you can miss some days or whatever, you can, miss, you can miss a year, I don't care, and you wake up on January 14th and, you know, you're kind of like, I, I want to be in the Bible. Well, it's, oh, it's the 14th, and go to Proverbs 14 and just read it. And then you just go, do you see what I'm saying? It's just throughout the years, whatever the day is, you read that proverb. So in an attempt to, to, to encourage us to, to, to be in the word, I said to Rob, this is over a month ago, we were planning Proverbs and I didn't even know what days I was gonna teach. We were planning all this stuff out. I said, you know something, I, I may just, I don't know what day it's gonna be, but whatever day lands on me to teach Proverbs, I, I think I may just get up there and read the proverb of the day. You know, I, I'm not gonna try and teach it or I'm just gonna read it and say, you guys, this is one of the ways you can. And Rob was like, oh man, you ought to do that. I'd never do that, but you ought to do that, you know? <laughs> you ought to do that, right? And so I'm like, oh, okay. And then Wednesday, I was having, trim, I was having a bit of fear and trembling, kind of going, oh my gosh, I'll stand. And, and I, I told the worship team, because we plan, we're, it's already been planned, but I said, guys, I'm still working on the message on terms of this weekend. Here, you know, I'm not sure how to do this. Can I, can I get people to respond? It's always hard to get people to respond, but I, I'm just thinking of standing up there and reading Proverbs 6 and telling them, look, this is what I do, and this is what I want to encourage. Yeah, 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 you ought to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but you ought to do that, and you know, we'll lead worship, whatever. Well, here's where we've landed, and here's where I landed. I, I, I really mean this. Um, we're going to read Proverbs 6. You know why we're going to read Proverbs 6? Because it's the 6th of June, and uh, we're gonna read Proverbs 6. So if you got your Bible, just get it. Open to Proverbs 6. Text will be on the screen, but I'd love to be looking in your Bibles if you have them, <clears throat> whatever means you have your Bible and phone or whatever. <clears throat> and we're gonna read it. It's 35 verses, so it takes a little time. Let me give you, let me give you a context before we, we read this. <clears throat> and and I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna say this once, I'm not gonna say it again, because I, I can oversay this, but I'm gonna tell you some things I do Okay, or have done or whatever, even if I say I've read Proverbs for you. I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my horn. I, I hope you know that. If you know me, I think you know that. But I'm gonna say some things I do, not like you ought to do this or wow, look at me, but just to, like Rob and I try to do, it's kind of like just to open the kimono and go, look, I'm just a guy, this is what I do. And I think this could help us, okay? So, so know that on, on the front end. Now, when I read a proverb, <clears throat> um, the Proverbs are so, um, they're tricky in that you read a chapter and it's like talking about eight different things. <laughs> and so you gotta know that when you read a proverb. So you don't know what you're gonna get. It's kind of like a you know, surprise when you read that proverb that day. Uh, when I read it, I come at it in this mindset. I, 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 and I really do this. I say, Holy Spirit, I trust you have a word for me today. I'm not, you know, what's going on in my world today. And I trust that part of my, devotional time when I, as I spend it just reading this proverb, there's gonna be something in this proverb that you, you want me to know today, to apply today. There's something going on in my world. See what I'm saying? So I'm just getting my mindset in whatever's in there. 
I don't read a proverb and you don't read a proverb to understand the whole chapter. That, that'll hurt your head. That'll confuse you. And, and you know, because it's just talking about so many different things. So, you know, sometimes I read a proverb. I want you to know I read it and, um, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm busy or whatever. And there are other things I do in my devotional time, but this proverb thing's part of it. Sometimes I'm so busy, um, it's like, I gotta get something else. And I go, okay, I'm gonna read my proverb. And you know what I do? I just read it. I go on about my work, you know? And sometimes I read a proverb and there's something that jumps out at me. Y'all, there's sometimes I read a proverb and, I'm, and I'll talk about this in a moment, but I don't even remember what it said 10 minutes later, but I read the thing, you know? And so that's, if that sounds kind of legalistic to you, so be it. But I read it. I just, I just, I'm just gonna read it. And I do. Now I'm saying this to help us when we read through this to go, you know, there's, it's talking about some stuff in here and it's like, um, which part applies to me? I don't know, but I'm gonna trust that there's something in Proverbs 6, not in Proverbs 5 or not in Proverbs 7, because this is today. You got, yesterday's gone, and you know what? You may not be alive tomorrow. So you have Proverbs 6 today. And the Spirit, I trust, has something for you and for me. Now, I'm gonna read the whole thing through, just like in my daily times this morning, I'm usually here early on Sundays when I'm teaching because I'm still working on message, shaping or whatever. And, the, and usually Sundays are one of those mornings, y'all, because I've got so much to, to get done and slides to get to Joe and things that I, I come in and rather than do what I normally do in, in my own devotions, I just kind of go, oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, oh, read the proverb, read the proverb. Okay, I got to start saying, you know, and I just go on about it. So this, this morning, what do I do? I, I read Proverbs 6. I'm gonna invite you to read it with me now. God's word to us today, Proverbs 6. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, <clears throat> have given your pledge for a stranger, if you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently <clears throat> with your neighbor. Give, give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, hunt, hunter like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? <clears throat> a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste, to run, make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. <coughs> Excuse me. My son, keep your father's commandment and you forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light 
and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, <clears throat> but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he's caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. <clears throat> he who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor and disgrace will not be wiped away. His disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. <coughs> we have just read the proverb of the day. When I read a proverb of the day, I, you know, there are times I just read it and go about my, my work. There are sometimes, yes, there are times when I see something and I have access to and have time and I'll, I'll pull out a commentary and kind of, you know, go, what did that mean? <clears throat> That's the exception, not the rule. Another exception, not a rule, is uh, I journal. And so sometimes I will journal whatever I'm reading. And, and sometimes I'll journal about the proverb I've read. Now, I got to tell you, that's the exception, not the rule. Eight times out of 10, <coughs> I, I, I come to it going, Lord, is there something here? There may be a verse or something that stands out to me and I try and think about that, like whatever's going on in my world, you know, this, this proverb has something to say about lying, say, you know, I'm just kind of going, because I'm a good liar, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. And I, I, I might just be aware, like God hates lying. Well, you know, so I just kind of carry that and then I just, I, I, I go on. Um, with, with my day. And, and some of you may be saying, so you just read the proverb, that's it? Mm-hmm, that's it. Now, let me tell you why I think it matters just to do that. Um, I began, as I said earlier, I, be, I began reading a proverb a day and and you know, missing some seasons and certainly not seven days a week. I can, I can go seven days a week, but sometimes not, whatever, you know what I'm saying. But generally, y'all, I was, I was around 19 or 20 years old when I started doing that. Um, and so even when you look at Proverbs 6, like we just read it, I read it this morning. I don't know you. I, I've probably read Proverbs 6 360 plus times. You know, just over all these years, I've just read it that much. I don't remember it though, you know, it's like I'm not a good Bible memory person. I just have read it that many times. And I, I will tell you why I think that matters is <clears throat> this is the way the spirit works. This is the way Christ is shaped in us. And so I've read that. I'm just telling you, it's not often in my consciousness Proverbs 6 and what it said. It's not in my consciousness. 
But I trust, I've read it enough that it is in my subconscious. And I mean this when I say it. Y'all, I have been in positions and places where I have been on the edge of doing something, of, of, of doing something I didn't need to do, of, you know what I'm saying, of making a choice that was not gonna be good. This doesn't always happen, but it has. And it's like, this, it's like this thought in my head, Lloyd, can a man take fire on his chest and his clothes not... You know, where'd that come from? Well, well, you know, it's just I'd read Proverbs all those years and, and, and take the whole of scripture and you read it. And God has so wired us in our memory that it's like we've had, you know, the memory is like this warehouse and uh, what's in there, um, the spirit has access to bring to our thoughts and, and remind us. If it ain't in there, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, uh, there's less to work with. And so that, does that make sense? So, you know, I just go, I read it. You know, it, it, I got it in there. And yeah, maybe I didn't, I didn't get anything out of it today, but I don't know. You do that for a long time over a lifetime. The word is, it's, in, it, it's there and the spirit has access to it. Look at verse 23. I'm gonna start at the back end here just to make some comments. Now, what I'm gonna do right now <clears throat> I don't do every day. So, so, so I'm just telling you what I do every day, I try to, because I, I read the proverb. Now I'm gonna go a little farther here, you know, for, for church. Um, and, but I have reflected on this at, at other times. Look at uh, verse 23. It says, for the commandment is a lamp, the teaching is a light. The reproof, reproofs of discipline are the way of life. To preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman cuts down the, a precious life. And then those verses, can, uh, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? No, that's the answer. Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? What's the answer? No. It's rhetorical, no. He's making the point, no. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, none who goes, none who touches her will go, now I want you to hear these words, unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he's hungry. Kind of odd in here, I'll explain it in a minute. But if he's caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. It'll cost him everything if he's caught. But you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna beat you up because you stole something, because you were starving. But listen, it's gonna, you gotta take, everything in your home's gone now. He who commits adultery lacks sense. The Hebrew word is leb. It's heart. He lacks heart. He who does it, here's the words I want you to pay attention to, destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. Statistically speaking, it is highly improbable that in a church our size, that in this room and, and taking people online, that there are not or is not someone 
on the verge of adultery, in the throes of adultery. I don't have anyone in my, my head, don't go there. I'm just going statistically, it's highly improbable, meaning it's highly probable that there's someone listening to me right now on dabbling, just putting their foot in an adulterous relationship or you're in it. Just the fact that you're here today and listening to me is God's grace to you. Don't miss it. God's grace to say to you, mm -mm, stop, don't, don't go there or extricate yourself. Many, many years ago, um, I, I, I had a man who, I, I, somewhere along the lines, I was kind of talking about the same things and I made this kind of a similar comment like, some of you in here may be getting ready to cheat on your spouse. Don't do it, you know. And, and he said to me later, you were talking to me. But, and he went on. I, I'm telling you, this, you know, this is, look, look at it. You'll destroy yourself. You'll get wounds, dishonor, and the disgrace won't be wiped away. That phrase about a price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a life. The best we can tell would be this. You, know, you gotta get this comparison going and you'll see it when I touch on this in a moment. The cost of a prostitute is quite little, but you have an affair with a married woman and that's gonna, gonna she's gonna come after your life. And, and it's reinforced in this thief picture. We're not gonna despise a thief if he's starving and he, and, and he, and he steals, but you know, if he's caught, it's gonna cost him everything he has. See that? That's the thing. But notice what the comparison is. If you commit adultery, you can give everything you have to the jealous husband or to whoever to appease it. It's not gonna be enough. In other words, you don't have enough money to make that go away. You don't have enough resources. It's gonna be on you. Now, I wanna be so careful here because when, when I'm reading, this is Proverbs, Think about progressive revelation. You know, that means God's progressed and revealed himself over time. You know, it's easy, you know, we tend to sit in this proverb and, and, I, and I want you to hear this, but at the same time, I want, to be, I want to be faithful to the text and I think what the Spirit is saying, that is when the original audience read this, they read it and they knew exactly what it was saying <laughs> and that you, cheat, you, you have sex with another man's wife, he finds out, he may kill you. I mean, he's gonna come after you and you may beg him and give him all your money. It's not enough. It's gonna destroy your life. It's never gonna be wiped away from you. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, when they read it originally, they didn't go, oh, I know, but the gospel, but Jesus forgives them. You know, they didn't go there because that's it's not what this particular passage is reminding us of. It's warning us against something. Now, as I said earlier, the likelihood of adulterous relationships in, in our church and in this room and on, online, it's real. And, and, and so I, I, want, I want to be able to do two things. One, let us all feel the gravity of this. It will ruin your life. And um, it'll ruin it good and bad. It'll ruin it good and, and perhaps unrecoverable. 
That's what this text is saying. Now, that said, yes, Jesus forgives all your sins. Yes, there is redemption. So do you, do you see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to say, yes, that's there. And I, you don't need to walk out of here going, I'm, I'll never be the same. No, God can restore and redeem and that's the gospel. But I'll tell you that, you know, the original audience heard this and it was a hammer for their good. I read Proverbs 6. I read that whole back end. And I'm reminded, Lloyd, don't commit adultery. That's what I'm, that's what I, I'm, and I'm, and, and I mean this when I say it. I could. I could. Can you, can you imagine just the pain that would cost let me start here. My wife and my kids and you. I mean it. Can you imagine what it would cost, the pain it would cost you? I don't want to do that. I could. See, that's where you got it. I could. And so 12 times a year, I'm reading Proverbs 6. Thank you, God. Because sometimes I'm thinking I'm, I'm resilient. How about that? I think I'm not. I think I'm strong. And doggone it, it's the 6th of January. Well, there it goes again. It still says it, what said it said last? It still says what it said December 6th. Adultery will destroy you. I need to hear it. And I need to hear it more than once. And I need to hear it till the day I die. Well, there are four other topics here. So now, now I'm not gonna go deep in these. Let me just show you that when you read a proverb, and here's my hope. I'm gonna give you time to think about your own application in a moment. In your application, um, you know, I hope it, it will probably be in one of these topics. And, and so I've broken out the topics and I'll just hit them briefly. They'll be up on the side screen. So, so watch them there. Verses one through five topically is about rashly co-signing a note. You know, co-signing a note is when, you, when someone's borrowing and the bank doesn't think they're worth it and so they come to you and say, will you back it up? And you say, yeah, and you know. It never, it, it, the Bible doesn't forbid co-signing, but it gives a massive warning here, okay? It gives a massive warning. Um, and, and it's, I didn't say this first service, I'll say it in a second. I've done this. And it was ugly. It got so bad. It was terrible. Amongst Christians, amongst Christians, we had done this. And then y'all's awful. It's a, it's, a, it's a warning. Don't take lightly. Now, the, the urgency, though, let me get it in its context because this can be used in different ways. And I just want to make sure you see the context. Solomon exhorts this. Don't even go to sleep at night. Don't, 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 before you go to bed tonight, you need to do this. And what is it that he tells the person to do who has co-signed, so to, you know, co-signed. No, well, it, it, it's nothing less than this. He says, go to the person you co-signed the note with and beg them on your knees. Would you, would you let, I, I, I need you to release me from this. I, I shouldn't have co-signed that note. Is there any way we can move forward with me? That's what he's saying. Now, I want you to hear this. It's not like, you know, don't pay your debt. Don't do what you promise. I'm just telling you the proverb says, you know, 
go beg, go beg on your knees. In fact, don't even go to sleep tonight. Go to your neighbor and just go, I made a mistake. Will you let me out of this? Can we reduce this? That's what he says do. There's no guarantee that they will, you know? There's no guarantee that they won't. But that's what this verse is talking about. The urgency to go. This is an honor culture. Can you imagine what that would require, even in our culture today, which isn't an honor culture, can you imagine what it would mean in an honor culture for a man to go and beg the neighbor and everyone to see you begging to get out of that foolish choice? My guess is most wouldn't do it. But the proverb says, go beg. Don't even go to sleep tonight until you go. Humble yourself. It's an urgent call to a humility that few would choose. Look at verses six to 11. I'm gonna give the title to this, laziness and procrastination. Laziness and procrastination. Now, the one thing that stands out to me here is verse 10. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. Laziness, procrastination, it's not the big thing that gets you. It's the little ones. I could do that tomorrow. I'm just gonna, you know, I need to rest. I can put, it's all these little things. Do you see the contrast he gives? But I'm telling you, when you, when you, when you put about enough of those littles together, bam, <laughs> you know, you are in deep water. You're in trouble and, and it, it's, it's a tough way out. So laziness, you know, maybe there's something going on in your world today that that's resonating with you. The, the, the third one, verses 12 to 15, the good for nothing. You know, when you look at verses 12 to 13, notice he says, a worthless person, a wicked man. Just let us, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the message I did on fool, the fool in Proverbs. You can grab on that. There are in this world wicked people. Don't act like, don't be aware. There are people who want to do harm. They're, they're wicked. And, and again, I, I, maybe I'm overstating this, but again, we can tend to go, yeah, but they need Jesus. Well, they certainly do need Jesus. And, and God has his ways of getting Jesus to them. But by golly, they're, they're wicked. Be careful. Don't do stuff with them. Don't be too close. Don't do it. It's, it, it's not loving for you or your family or whatever to get near that wicked person. Let God deal with them because when the calamity comes, do you see how it comes? Suddenly. And I'm telling you, if you're near or you're in, the hammer comes on you too. So, you know, it's a warning. There are evil people we need to be wary of. And then um, hating what God hates, verses 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination. Then he lists them. So, you know, I have, I did, now that I'm saying this, I have read this Proverbs at time and read one of those and, 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 and I don't know, it just jumped out at me on that particular day, you know? I need to be careful what I, hmm. Now, when, they, when, when it says there are six, yes, seven, there are three, yes, four, you know, that's a memory device to make us think, oh, one, two, three, four, that's what's part of it. The other part is when the Bible speaks in that way, the focus is upon the last, it's just to say, these are all bad. This is the, the, big, the big bad. Now notice what the big bad is in there are six, yes, seven. The last thing, one who sows discord among brothers. 
Look back up at verse 14. Note what the wicked person does. Devises evil, continually sowing discord. Y'all, these are things God hates. These are things that are an abomination to him. And the abomination, the abhorrent thing above all, while they're all bad, the one he hates, can I say the, the most per se, is the person who sows discord. Of course, we don't have any of that, do we? Not in our church, not in America. You know, I'm going, you hear that? God's going to this to go, the person who sows discord is abhorrent. To, it, it's so non-God-like. That's a warning to me. When I'm thinking, I'm gonna go in and fix, or I'm gonna go sell someone, or I'm gonna go say, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just a warning to all of us regarding, do we sow discord among the body, among society? Are we that person? God hates it. And then the last one, of course, is avoid adultery. We've already covered that. So let me give you these. I'm gonna give you five. I'm gonna give those five things <clears throat> and then I'm gonna put them in a principal form because here again, I don't do this when I read the Proverbs every day. But if you wanna know where the application comes, you work towards a timeless principle. So you wanna state it and, and, and you, can, you can do them better than I can, but you wanna state it in a timeless principle. There's the underlying timeless principle. And so let me give these to you to ponder just for a moment. And then we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to ponder it with the spirit and, and trust the spirit. <clears throat> Rashly co-signing a note. You know, the timeless principle here I think is, one, one is, could be, unwinding a foolish financial choice requires an urgent and humbling plea. I, I think that's still true today. You go, well, Lloyd, that was 2,000 years ago. They were in this barter system, whatever. I, I, I think the timeless principle is you get yourself in a, you, you made a you, you've made a rash, foolish financial commitment. Beg to get out of it. Now, I'm not saying break a contract. You, you, please hear me on this. I'm not saying don't pay your debts. It could require an urgent plea and humility on your behalf, on your part, to humble yourself. And you know, a lot of times these things come into, you know, you know where a lot of times these things happen? Mm-mm, in the family. And even in the family of God, unwinding a foolish financial choice requires an urgent humbling plea. How about laziness and procrastination? I just put the timeless principle like this. My little laziness has big consequences. My little laziness, watch it. Now, there's a difference between, you know, me taking a nap this afternoon and little laziness, or you taking a nap because you need one. You know, but just be aware of your little laziness. Be aware, a little laziness. It's got big consequences. How about the good for nothing? I just said this, worthless people are not worth my time. That's not mean. Uh, that's not unloving. That's not unchristian. They're worthless, evil, wicked people. <clears throat> don't, don't give them your time. How about hating what God hates? I, I just put the timeless principle this way. Will my words or actions sow discord or unity? Boy, that would stop a lot of conversations in its tracks. Sure would for me. If I live my life in such a way that I'm gonna go and I stop and go, are my words gonna sow discord or bring unity? 
It takes a lot of wisdom to even know whether to speak or not, doesn't it? We depend upon the spirit to lead us. And then avoiding adultery, gosh, you could state this in a number of ways. I simply said adultery will always take more than it gives. So you don't, you don't commit adultery if you're not getting something. I get that. Please know it'll take more than it ever can give. That's true of every idol, of every sin, quite frankly. But hmm. Well, with those up, we're gonna leave them up. We're gonna go toward application and we're gonna apply this text out of the table. So I wanna invite you to take your table elements and if you're a guest and, and, and you missed this, we have these out on the table out there and I know it'd feel weird for you to get up and go get it, but, or anyone, if you want to go out and get it, you, you have time because we take the Lord's table each week and you know, with COVID, we do it this way. So I'm gonna invite you to take your elements and go ahead and get the bread. I want you to start now because it usually takes me about 20 minutes. Everyone's gone. Y'all have driven home and I'm trying to take the bread. Um, so take the, take the bread and the cup and I want you to hold it in your hands um, because we're, we're, you know, what this symbolizes is the, 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 the broken body of Jesus and his blood poured out on our behalf. Now, I'm not gonna, we're gonna take it together in, in just a moment. But I wanted us holding it in our hands as we ponder these applications. Why? Do you know the Gospel of John opens this way and it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Is he talking about Jesus? Yes, he is. So is, is Jesus the word? Yes, he is. This word, you understand, is all about Jesus, the written word. Jesus, the son of God, also became incarnate, took on human flesh. He's the incarnate word. He's the living word. So in a mysterious but very real sense, you see, when we say, hey, you know the, you know the best indicator of spiritual growth in your life? You know that you're reading your Bible? Yes, it's partaking of Jesus through the word. The word became flesh. No wonder it's the number one indicator of spiritual growth. And so I want you to, in these moments, holding the word that became flesh, to ask the Holy Spirit, just read through them and say, you know, it's June 6, it's Proverbs 6. Holy Spirit, what are you inviting me to trust you for today? What, what do you call, what's my step of obedience? Jesus, what, what, what are you prompting me to believe or trust? Now you can never obey apart from dependence upon the Spirit. So you're saying, Spirit, enable me to, to hear you, to see what you're saying, and to choose faith. So I'm giving you literally two minutes to sit with Jesus and listen to what he says.